A Spiritually Balanced Life by Paul Bucknell. Living a spirit-filled life in a busy modern world. Discussing planning, scheduling, and discipline. This planning discussion is for and more mature Christians. The referenced worksheet, handout, and reading can be found at Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. This is part one of two. This message was first given to a Next Stepper group at the Pittsburgh Chinese Church in Oakland, Pennsylvania. Today I'd like to talk about planning, scheduling, and discipline. Three major areas that kind of all overlap. You know, a spiritually balanced life where you don't get burned out, where you are able to serve to your maximum purpose and calling, and, and yet stay close to the Lord, stay close to your family. We see people kind of and getting off that balance. So the word balance is pretty significant. We have it living a spirit-filled life in a busy modern world. That's pretty much where we're at. And we're just accelerated with information, with people, with needs, with requests. How do you handle all of that? I, I, maybe we'll discuss 5% what we need to know. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit and it will be a beginning. But if you do have questions, you know, write them down. We, certainly we can later address those if we don't fully go through them now. Let's just pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time. We ask God that you would help us to understand how to live like Jesus. He was the most busy. He was the most pressed, most persecuted. And Lord, uh, we have so much to learn uh, how he could just be a conduit, a vessel of your love in this dark, desperate world. Lord, live in us more. Get rid of our sin. Help us, Lord, to be able to be filled by your Spirit and stay close to you all our days. Help us, Lord. Indeed, we pray that your name might be honored through our lives. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to share a little bit how I'm going to uh, talk today. As I said, three things. Planning. The first aspect here is the purpose. Uh, how do I discern God's plan for my life and set my heart on these things? This is where we find the commitment. It's a lot of things we're doing here are very good in terms of discussing our commitment, our growing understanding of who we are and how we commit ourselves to it. And this is an important part of identifying our purpose because it has everything to do with our commitment to that purpose for which God designed us. Everyone so unique and special. On the other hand, we've got a lot of decisions and scheduling, right? How do you get, do all the things you're supposed to do? How am I going to get done what God wants done for my life? There's a lot of questions there, a lot of questions. Conviction is the discipline. Uh, it's a long-standing commitment to small things that help us to obtain a long-term objective. It's those daily, oh, I don't feel like getting up and praying. You know, those kind of decisions that really make a significant, long-standing difference in our life. And I really think that that conviction, that long-standing, uh, ongoing struggle is right here defined in our discipline aspect. Now, the way I want to talk about this is to kind of use alliteration, schedule. So that's three, four, five, six, seven, eight topics, okay? Each letter standing for one particular thing. And that's how I want to go through this time. Later on, as we summarize, we'll come back to this planning, scheduling, and discipline because they all overlap each other. First of all, spiritual. We live in a very secular world. We focus on what? Sight. But God wants us to focus heavenly, and we need to use faith. Now, both these things, of course, are essential if we're going to get a whole perspective of how we need to live our life. We have the earthly view. We see things around us. We see the needs. You hear people asking, can you help me? Sometimes they say, well, I can't help you. No, I don't know what to do. I'm already too busy. I can't help you. Uh, and struggles like this inside. I mean, that's a kind of earthly view. And Jesus saw that. He saw the people. He wept for them. He saw the dead Lazarus. You know, he wept for him. I mean, we see it in Jesus, that earthly sight. What we view, what we hear what we can gain by our own senses that God's given us. 
But we know this is not the full perspective, and, and that's why we're here. We know there's an eternal perspective, a heavenly perspective. I call it a spiritual one because it's the spiritual and the physical worlds kind of work together. But in our secular world, most of us just work on the horizontal. And from early on, many of us have been trained, specialized, if you want to use the word, in how to live a secular life. We only look at things from the earthly point of view. And so we see the needs, and that's how we begin to resolve them. And I, I, I appreciate hearing, I, I know you didn't want to go through it, but you know the struggle, how I learned to be from self-dependent to God-dependent. But you see, this is that struggle of going from the sight to kind of also learning how the whole perspective of touching with God. And, and this is a whole mindset that is critical if you're going to serve the Lord. Because it's not using our resources. It's using God's resources to meet the needs of the people. And if you don't have that basic mind change, mindset, view, changed in your life, you are going to fight struggle after struggle. And so um, listen to the testimonies of your brothers and sisters. Learn. But also I want you to understand this learning process is probably not over. Uh, from early on, we have, been, have a secular mindset built right into us. And so we do not realize how secular we still are. We still don't, still not enough like Jesus. You know, he couldn't get by one day without praying. Right? Can you? Yeah. See, if you can get by a day without praying, if you can live a month without fasting, if you think the Bible study doesn't, not really feels important to me, you're still too secular. There's something in you that's still too self-reliant. And so it's still revealing all our weaknesses that we still need to grow a lot more. And learn to be more like Jesus. Learn how to integrate those two spheres of life, which are really a holistic one, but for us, I'm trying to introduce it this way. If we could, we could make a big circle around those, and that would give us a full perspective of life. This is the area of spirituality, living a, a full life here. Now, I'd just like to go through some verses and just quickly show you how, how to do this a little bit. Just to help you realize how secular we really are. If I could read this in English, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So let me just ask you again. But what are the lessons you can learn about trusting the Lord, living in light of God, what you cannot see here from these verses? Now, I just want to, if I had a little more time, I, I, I kind of ask you, but I mean, do you see any right now? How do these verses train you to live with the spiritual world in view? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Maybe I'll give you an example. So the first one, for example, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's saying that we, as people here on earth, need to trust one we cannot see. Now, this is not a secular viewpoint, right? You know it's not, right? But sometimes we don't think of it that way. I mention it because it's a way we can train ourselves when we read the scriptures. He is telling us this is the way we need to put our trust in the invisible one. And so sometimes in our ministry, you say, I don't know how I'm going to solve that problem. But what is he saying here? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can lean on him with all your understanding. And the Lord's, okay, I'll trust him. Somehow he can help in this situation. So it's a deliberate trusting of him of the circumstance which I would normally call impossible. Now I could fret over it. I could worry over it. I could struggle over it. I could be up 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, thinking how I'm going to solve it. That's not the way. And someone already mentioned that, and that's, that's great. You see, the perspective is here that there needs to be a trust in the Lord with our, the things around us, and there we'll have peace in heart. There will be a peace that comes in our life, even though the circumstances are beyond us. For God, he says, this is normal for anybody, for God's people. 
that this should regularly be happening. It's okay. We just regularly trust the Lord with those things. You understand where I'm coming from? The secular viewpoint, oh, how am I going to do this? Trying to figure it out. No, 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 no. That's not how you lead. It's not how you solve problems. The problem, the, the situation, okay, God, you take care of it. Now, I'm going to pay attention how you take care of it. And we'll learn from that. So it's a total different way of operating our life. I had to talk about these things because if I just talk about scheduling, you will not understand what my schedule is like. Why we need to continue with spiritual disciplines or things like this. I'm explaining the philosophy of ministry so you can understand the practical, practical aspects of ministry. They go together. If you do not have a good philosophy of understanding how God works, then you will reject the, his suggestions or example that he gives us. Uh, let me give you another one. He says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That tells me I can have confidence in my, what's happening. We talk about our next step. Where are you going? Well, <laughs> I mean, he faces, what, what do you face? You face last time you looked for a job, what happened? One year, you know, so long I was looking, I was looking for my job, I didn't have a job. And you learn that God sometimes is a last minute God. You don't like that. I don't like that. I had to face the same thing. I, I know, I know. But God is sometimes that way. Because the lessons, you know. And I always say, oh, I hope I can learn the lessons some other way. Rather than waiting to the last minute before I find a job. But you see, all underneath there, what does he say here? Acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. In other words, he'll work it out. And I can just sit back and say, okay, God, I don't know how, but you're going to do it. And it's going to work out. So, but, and the, you know, the older you are, the more experienced you can look back and say, yeah, he does that. So it's that confidence that comes about. Now, again, I want to show you that secularism does not teach you to think this way or to have peace when you cannot solve it. It will tell you how to lie to get this or, you know, kind of not say the full story so you can get there. But this is not the way the Lord wants us to operate. Turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. You want good health? Turn away from evil. You know, and and we're, I know we're going through that. That's part of the next step for us. I feel jealous. Ah, get away that jealousy. You know, I'm angry. Get away that anger. Turn away from evil, and God will bring healing in your life. Now, it's been hard for me. I, 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 I've been really uh, surprised. But just lately, people have been... I, I started praying about this probably several years ago. People say, I look too stern. I, I know why I look stern. I felt like a happy guy, but people thought I was severe. And I was severe. But, you know, you talk about backgrounds. My background was that way. I learned to just respond with a mean, ugly face kind of thing. Even though I was happy inside, but it never came out of my face. You know, I started praying about that. God, how can you bring more healing to me? Otherwise, you know, people are scared of me. But, you know, lately people said, hey, you're happy. And I said, how does, yeah, well, I've always been happy, but, you know, several people have been saying it. And I realize that God's beginning to change even my face. A real deeper healing in my life that I needed from Him. I think I'm going to grow more. But, you know, it, I'm, I'm just giving an illustration. There's a lot of healing. We don't even think that's needed, but is needed. And, and God bringing that more and more into our life. To fully reflect through our own lives. Good health, good life, good bones, you know. Give from our wealth. You know, nobody wants to give. Honor the Lord. You're, you're going to give your money away to this church or, you know, to God. And the secular mindset says, forget that. You want to give it to people who recognize you and, you know, pat you on the back and things like this. I, I know you've all gone through this lesson. But again, it's, I'm just giving this an illustration, again, of the vertical. We're not living by the secular mindset. We're living by the spiritual and it, and they kind of all interrelate. But we've been trained in the secular, and we need to begin to have a holistic viewpoint toward living.
Yes. Gave you more sleep. Yeah, gave you more sleep. And time with your wife, and you know, and. section on that uh, under the D, scheduled <laughs> uh, down to the D. But let me just, because we might not be able to talk about all these things, but basically I would just answer that question in terms of what do we do in terms of how much effort do we put in and then how much do we just trust the Lord. But you have to understand why do you prepare for a Bible study? Why do you prepare for a sermon? Why do you prepare for marriage counseling? What are you preparing well, from this parable of the sower, what needs to be prepared? The hearts. Now, we need to pray for the people we're ministering to. That's what you were saying. I, 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 amen to that. that. That's one of the most basic uh, things that we really need to focus on. What else do we need to pre prepare? Our hearts. What needs to be torn down so God's word can be put in me? How, how can I let God's word get in me? So his words begin to kind of start jumping up and down. And I would say that takes time. Again, we're trained secular to know 
understand theology. That's not necessarily the way God would help you in leading a good Bible study or, or uh, preaching a sermon. There's something else. It's how God speaks to you through the Word and helps you to know what to say. That is what's so important. As to these things, slides and stuff, uh, I'm doing it for more long-term perspective. Uh, I could teach this without those. Uh, but in terms of accelerating you know, the dispersion of a message and uh, the impact of it, I also spend time there. But sometimes I don't have time and that's fine. Uh, that's how I treat this. And sometimes people can't do it or it takes you too long to do it. So that's fine too. Uh, but it's, it's those kind of issues. So let me go on there because there's other aspects of discipline there. So if we have S stands for what? Okay, C stands for Christ-centered. You notice, if you really want to target something, you need both the vertical, you know, the vertical and the horizontal to come together at the cross point, and then you can aim. And uh, this is why I look at it. If we really want to understand where we're going to go, we have to focus on Christ. Uh, we have to focus on Christ. It, it's so key. Now, there's two aspects here on how to do this that I want to talk about because it has everything to do with our lives. And I see that so many homes and family, Christian families, are messed up because of it. And we never get to the Christ model. I, I want us to get to the Christ model. I didn't call it the Christ model. But this is a, a priority category model. I'll first illustrate that because it's so common. That's not so good. Uh, the priority wheel model, or I could call it the Christ model. I think, at least I try and hope that this is what what I will teach today is a Christ model. So let me, and, and that's the one we should adapt. Now, but let me go on the kind of planning that we should not do. Now, by the way, what I'm talking about is here how to discern our priorities. Now, here's plan one. This is the way that people think. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm serving God. God's first, all right? Uh, this particular person says, work is next. And he says to himself, this is his understanding of life. I have to work hard to take care of my family. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to feed them. So work is next. Okay? Uh, church, yes. I, I feel in my heart, you know, I'm so thankful that God saved me, is next. Family, next. Friends, maybe. You know, somewhere there. Okay? And so this is his plan on thinking. I'm just going to introduce three plans here. The second one, God first. In a world, God's always first. At least we say so. <laughs> we usually don't understand what that means, by the way. Church is next. You know, I'm so thankful. This is the spiritual person, right? Church is next. So this person, you look at his schedule. God, church, family, work, friends. People at work are going to say, what about him? Well, he doesn't really kind of put his heart to his work. You know, something's missing here. His family might say what? I'm, I want, the husband's saying, I, I want to go, go to uh, short-term missions. And the wife says, we don't see you around here. But see, he believes he's a very super spiritual person. This is the way he thinks through his life. You understand what I'm saying? These are the categories by which he discerns and makes all his decisions. This is the layer underneath and this is what we need to tackle. If you want to make a good schedule, you have to understand how you need to operate your life. And I'm just giving another example. I know a friend, a good, an elder in a church. He saw our pastor. He was probably more the third category. And he left his wife and, and things like this. So in his heart, he said what? Family is before church. Family is before church. But the people in the church didn't like this as an elder. He wanted to be a pastor, but people really weren't for him. And the difference was here. I, I think if I would analyze and think about it, they saw that he had more commitment to his family than the church. So at times there was a prayer meeting, but his son had a baseball game, so he went to the baseball game. And it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And then we understand his commitment, and yet there was some conflict. This is what happens when you use this kind of mindset to understand how you operate your life. 
Most Christians would go by this, even though they never saw this before. It's the priority category model. From what they've experienced in life, they highlight the most important part, then the next most important, then the next most important. What is the problem with this? Several problems. First of all, they're saying one thing is more important than the other. Can you say the church is more important than your family, than your wife? Well, can you say the family is more important than the church? Or can you say the family is more important than work? You see, that's not the way we're supposed to think. It's not a biblical way of thinking because you're saying some things are not important. This is not the way we prioritize things. Because it doesn't work. You're going to set up conflict in yourself. Once you resolve which category is top, the next category is going to suffer. And you make a lesser commitment to that lower category, which will cost you in the end. Okay? I'm going to move on. Now, this, don't do this. Okay? Don't do this. <laughs> I want to talk about the Christ model or the priority wheel model. Let's together read these verses, uh, Colossians 1.10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So in each aspect, we are to please the Lord. In each aspect, we're going to bear fruit. There's two aspects of the priority wheel model, the Christ model, is that God is in the center. He calls us to fully respond to him who made us for his own purpose. And we have to make a full 100% commitment to live out toward him all that he wants in our life with no reservation. Okay? Now, some people, if, if you're brought up in a certain circumstance, you will have a lot of fear when you hear things like this. Because you'll, you'll, you'll think of someone, I'm thinking of someone right now, had to go through a lot of those fears. Because they, if they do that, then they're, they're going to neglect somebody or be neglected. A wife often fears, if I fully submit to my husband, then my husband's going to make all these decisions and, and I'm going to be left alone and, and my husband's going to be serving and I'm going to be, feel rejected. They, they go through these kind of fears and thoughts. So to fully commit themselves to submitting to your husband, for example, is very difficult because, or submitting to God because it means that. And so they hold back in different areas of their life. But actually, God told us to completely serve Him. And it, it does work out when you do it this way. I, I've been doing it for a number of years. And uh, as I find different areas that are not committed, I turn them over to the Lord. Or better said, He finds areas that aren't committed. He reveals them. And then I turn them over to the Lord. You know, that's the way the training is. And it, it takes our lifetime. So what happens is, how you take care of other things? All these other things, family, church, work, studies, ministry. What happens is when you focus on God, all these other things are, I would call, God-influenced. They are all God comes into every aspect of it. Rather than separating God as a separate category, or church as a category, or ministry as a category, everything is service to God, everything is ministry. Caring for my wife is church. She's a sister. And so everything, I'm bringing up my son, so I'll spend a time, an hour or a half hour talking with my son. That's ministry. Discipleship. You know, so I'm trying to break categories and trying to find myself bringing God into every aspect of my life. <clears throat> into my work, into my studies, into my interest, uh, managing my uh, wealth, whatever it might be, God's there. How do you want to do it, God? And we have this kind of mindset. And it enables us to be so much more free. Rather than thinking that we have to prioritize categories, we find that God helps us. Now, let me give an example, an illustration more. In other words, the first thing in our life we have to do is what? Make room for God. And how much room does he want? All the room. When I went to Russia once time, um, <clears throat> A lot of people were there early. They, they walked through this mile uh, deep, foot, foot deep mud. 
you know, and had a place to clean off the mud in your shoes before you go in the church. Uh, it, it was that bad, you know, it was, it was so terrible. But people were coming and coming to church. They would sit down on their flat pews here, and soon they were filled up. Now, people walked down the middle aisle. They were looking for a place, and uh, they would come over here, and maybe there's a little room on this chair, so they would just sit down and just move over a little, you know? And, uh, but when you had about 20 people on the chair, what would happen? Everybody moved down a little bit, you know, because they're all being polite. But the person on the end, you have to stand up. There's no more room. You can look underneath. No more chair. <laughs> and, uh, but it was that kind of sense, make room for God. Get rid of everything that would hold him back from coming in your life. There might be a closet in your life. You don't want to open it and let God in. You're letting fear lead your life rather than God. Open that door and let the light of God shine in there. Take that step of faith and trust him with that area, with obedience. And you will see God have a way to do it. But you need that trust. That trust is a deliberate step. So this is a Christ-centered perspective of, of living. Uh, it, it's very important. It's crucial in our life. There's two aspects. Where God is at the center, he takes all room, and he comes into, secondly, he comes into every aspect of our lives. I'm going to be moving on. Questions, comments? Okay, so this is a basic understanding. Again, I'm still talking about philosophy of ministry, how you think about your life. These are decisions you make deep, down deep. Talk about it with your spouse. Uh, because, now, yes? How would this uh, song, for example, this Winston night, church prayer? Baseball game. Okay, how do you resolve it? You have a baseball game, you love your son. And how do you resolve it with uh, a prayer meeting? How do you work through those things? Let me tell you how I resolve it, and maybe other people resolve it. Now, there's a, a little bit of difference here, perhaps, maybe. Uh, maybe not. I minimize, I personally minimize the amount of time my children have in sports for several reasons. But one of the reasons is because of the overlapping. And this is not just sports, it's other things. Sometimes they have sports right on Sunday morning now. And some parents will take the kids to the sports. And they don't even come to church. So to me, it's not the kind of mentality we need to have in our life. Now this is the particular question you're asking on this particular issue. And so I just kind of minimize it. When there's a sports game, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll take them. When it conflicts in this area of entertainment, you know, entertainment goes every time. Good movie. Daddy, I don't want to miss a movie. I don't care about movies. The kids know that. But, you know, but in the sense of entertainment, these are not priorities. So the, the kids understand my priority, and I bring that priority down. I'll talk a little bit more about that, because when it comes under scheduling, uh, we're going to see, well, how do you care for your children? How do you show them your love? How do you give them the attention that they need? Now, as I say, some will give more attention to sports, different areas. Each one has to understand how it works out. But we're not in the sense of judging others. Right? This is so important. How is God going to fill you and help you to carry out all these things? This is the most important thing that we need to focus on. So let me focus on H for helpful. I'm going to be talking more here about helpful uh, and handy calendar-like and I'm going to talk about the past, how a calendar can help us with the past. I, I think most people should have a calendar or a planner. How many have one here? How many use it? Okay, yeah, most of you do, okay. It helps in the past because of records. Uh, looking back at what you've done, uh, if you're in ministry, uh, American taxes, you can take off some taxes and deduct taxes for travel, for ministry. And, and things like this. So you need the mileage. You need to write it down, though. Otherwise, you can't do that. So there's things of the past that you want there for a record. Uh, for present, it helps you to keep things to do. Reminders of what's happening. For future, it's helping you to see what's coming ahead. 
Let me just kind of share with what I do, all right? Not in my pocket. I don't like carrying books around, so often I don't carry books around, but I'll carry this little thing around, and inside here is a calendar. On one side are two, two months. Each side is two months. Uh, up here is just one here. And uh, I have turned to Google because I can use it from any computer, rather than thinking which one's the most updated one. That, I can't deal with that. But, you know, always an online one. But also, my wife is able to uh, have her calendar on my calendar. So I get to see her in, in possible conflicts, and uh, they both pop up. Or I could have other calendars come on here. So it really helps. It helps because it's free. But, uh, <laughs> but let me kind of share a, a few different things here. What do I write down? I do not write a lot on my calendar. In fact, you'll notice sometimes it's very bare. And that's because most of my routine life is in there. If I have any free time, I'll be working. That's how I view life. Okay? Any free time, I'm working. And so if you see any white space, work, free time, I mean, sleeping is not free time for me. Sleeping is sleeping. Spending time with my children at a, having a picnic or at a ball game, that's not free time. That's something that, that's an appointment, that's me. So, but anything out of the unusual, I put as down there. And I fill in all the empty spots with work. Now, most people don't work that way. I, I can because I can work up to 10 o'clock at night, easy at home, because my office is there. And some wives would say, oh, I hope my husband doesn't hear this. And, uh, but for me, you see, work and ministry all co connect together. Okay, so for me, that's my special circumstance. And uh, if you go into full-time service, you'll, you'll see that that kind of overlaps. Uh, you're out for late-night appointments, and uh, you're preparing for a message. And, but even for yourself, you think about it. You work during the day, perhaps. You come back, you need to prepare for a Bible study or a cell group and things like this. And so there's a time there. But uh, in, I don't put sleeping down. I take a, uh, usually I take about a 15-minute nap in the afternoon. Follow my dad's example there. I, uh, I don't put eating down. I eat. I, I don't put time down, time I'm going to fast because... Whenever I do, I know exactly what I do when I step into that routine. I don't put down uh, that I meet with my wife every evening. I, that's, that's there, but it's not, I don't write it down. You see? I could fill up my calendar with lots of little things, but they're so routine in me, I don't need them on my calendar. I uh, do put down maybe daily meetings, especially when I can write them down. Uh, I put down here, I, you know, we took her, uh, picked up someone from the airport, took our kids to a movie. You know, we had a special time for my family. I'd just been away for several weeks. Uh, they were looking forward to seeing Prince Caspian. So I, uh, I said, okay, let, let's go. And we did that. So, but it, it was, uh, that went on my calendar because I had to make sure I blocked that time out. Because if I said yes to something and I didn't have that blocked out and made a conflict, that would not go very well. Uh, especially when you're planning for so many children. Uh, you would not easily adjust things. <laughs> so, I, for me, a lot of it is what I don't write down. For these times when, like when I was in Nigeria, there's long bars going across here. I don't even actually use this calendar. If I find that there's an intense period, a week or month, like in this case, I printed a big month on one page and started using that instead. Because I can write my telephone numbers right on there. I don't have one of those electronic things, so... But I, you know, I, I write telephone numbers, addresses. The guy in front of me at Customs, he wanted to go, I think we were going into Nigeria, and the person asked, well, where, where are you staying? Well, at this hotel. They want to know the first night, you know, you fill that on your sheet. And he said, well, what's your address? Well, I don't know the address. So they said, well, you go find out what the address is. So he had to leave his passport there and stuff. And he'd go look. And he didn't know, how are you going to find the address? I know from traveling, you need to write the address, <laughs> the physical address of where you're going to be, because they always ask for that. But I write it right on my calendar, so I have it right there handy. You know, that poor guy was looking, and he came back. I don't know where it is. You know, a taxi's going to take me there. <laughs> but, you know, just things like that, it, it helps me organize. 
And so for me, I'm, I'm getting very forgetful, so I can forget things very quick. So I have to write down the essential things and have them very clearly found. So I write down special events, and I write down those events, and it, it, you might look like I have a very clear calendar, but the point is, those special events, when I look at my calendar, I want to look a couple of weeks, and that's why I use a month calendar. I want to look next week and the following week. What are things that I'm going to have to prepare ahead? So I know I'm going to preach two, three weeks ahead. I read that passage ahead, and I just start, as Pastor Hugo says, I start praying about it. I start thinking about it. I start, Lord, what are you teaching me? What do you, what do you want me to learn? I start looking around for examples, for illustrations, and, and God starts teaching me. So I'm not having any special time preparing at that point. Just five minutes to read the passage. I'm usually familiar with it. And then I just start taking things in and taking notes. I usually get one computer sheet up there, and as an illustration comes, I just throw it in. It doesn't mean I'll have to use that, but it's there to stimulate my thoughts. So what happens in busy times? For this week, for example, I'm speaking three times this weekend. Then all of a sudden, you know, the, the three people want to have scheduled uh, appointments on Thursday with me, okay? So, and I'm just trying to pick out a familiar scenario, perhaps, that will come up. So how do I judge whether I have time to prepare, whether I'm going to short, yeah, short out the messages that come, or how do I trust the Lord? This is kind of, kind of you know, always weaves in and out that kind of question. Uh, let me just share how I kind of work that through. So I started praying for each of those appointments and those individuals. And I looked, are any easily moved? Actually, there was another one, but I did not follow up on it because I was going to, I could easily shift that to the following week. But because of time or significance, I said, these are important. And so what I did in my heart, you know, because my appointment's usually about an hour and a half, I just said, that's fine. I will trust God with those. And so there's that point of trust where in my heart, when I come to these messages, he'll help me. I was still doing finishes, finishing touch to this this morning, right? But I, I was trusting him so I could go to bed at regular time and everything last night. Because I could trust him, you know, with those appointments and, and work out those details. So I'm not worrying, worrying during a meeting about what I'm going to say. At a certain point, he will help me. I have more to say on this, but in the point of conflict, I pray, I, I seek him. What is it you want me to do today? And I'm asking him, asking him to set what is most important and to see what I can move around. Sometimes God moves appointments around. That's always very interesting, too. It's just wonderful, in fact, because sometimes you feel like, oh, no, I don't see how I can do this. But when you trust the Lord, he'll make your path straight. So there's, there's many calendars out there. Use what works, but try to keep the most essential. And as I said, I'm using it for what? Past records. So I still, I was just looking at my drawer last night. I had 1999, uh, <coughs> my, my calendar. And uh, I, I, I probably should throw it away because you don't need it for tax purpose other than, what, three, four years now. Uh, but in the sense of records, in terms of, uh, they, they don't take up much space. Uh, in terms of the present, what I need to do, I sometimes write on there. So what I have on my written calendar is always, you know, you can see it's always filled up with lots of writing. Uh, because, I mean, that's what it is. I've filled up a lot of writing. My appointments, my mileage, my... Uh, thoughts, my illustrations, anywhere. So I can write it down on one piece of paper. It's always handy for me. It's on the computer. In terms of writing, uh -huh. no. But every month, because there's four months on here, I write my mileage onto the computer and make a backup. That's the only thing that's really critical. I have to have a record of. Otherwise, I can't use it. Not the, yeah, except for the writing. What I do is print this off. I print, I take this, once it's full, and I print it off. And on the Mac, you can, well, most computers, you can probably print two sheets on one page. So I have, so I, I make a PDF out of this, and I make four PDFs, and then I put two on each page. 
I make it all one document and print two on each page. So do you bring this with you and when you write something new on that, like today you need something? I will not go back and write it on there. But you just carry this? Yeah. It takes too much stuff. time for me. But only the mileage is most important. Everything else in terms of coming appointments is already here. I always keep this updated to coming appointments. So this will become old, you know, after a month. But I'm writing in, in it. Some people, if you like it, every month you can make a new one every month and, and things like that. That's no problem. I like the future asset because I have to plan ahead several months at once. Okay, he's just saying that I, when he moves to a different computer, he, he's frustrated. Yeah, doesn't know what to do. Yeah. I, I, I understand. I understand. I tried to do it with iCal, but it didn't work. It's just too slow. Let me go on to E. Let's see. S, spiritual, right? H is what? Helpful. E is edifying. I could say edifying and evangelizing. Uh, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And, okay, so what we have here is, and what I would try to summarize is, what is compelling us? Within this interest, areas of interest, and God at the middle, we find that there's a motivation of, summarized in two aspects, loving God and loving others. It's different than what we call the silver commandment, okay? Where you treat others as they treat you. In other words, if you're good to me, I'm good to you. Here... We have to love God. We have to love others. Love God how? With a complete devoted heart, right? It's just like I was saying. He demands all. Is he happy with 90%? No. He wants 100%. But how do you work out with loving others? You just... It, it, it is a... And I don't need to tell you, but you know, it, I'm also telling you these things and sharing so you can also help other people who are working through this. You might have an assistant cell group leader that's having problems with scheduling of things. You can help. This is a kind of a philosophy of ministry that you can share with them. But the whole sense of loving others is a compelling element. I, for example, say, uh, and you might get scared, you know, I use all my free time to do what? Working. Writing web pages and, you know, editing and, and you know, doing all these things. Well, that's my ministry. But that's fine. But I, I, I'm faithful in... And spending, for example, I, don't, I do put my date time on there with my wife once a week. Actually, on Friday, if you look real carefully, it might be on that calendar. Uh, you'll see it there. On Friday, I meet with my wife, take her out for lunch. She likes it on the calendar. I do it so routinely, I don't have to put it there. But she likes looking at it. That's there, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, he does think about me. Well, it, it's there every month, you know, every week. So I don't, it's repetition, you know. But uh, she likes it there, so I just leave it there. But there's, there's a love that compels me to love her and think, how am I going to love her? Husbands, love your wives. So, well, how am I going to love her like Christ? So I make certain commitments in myself, routine ones like that, that are good, and put them in right in my schedule. I take another one, for example, meeting with my wife every evening, a prayer. Why? Well, I'm trying to pay attention to how I can love my wife and spend time with her. Now, I could ask you, I'm kind of forgetting where things come in, but let me give you an example. Do you want to put in your schedule, I will on Saturday evening at 9 o'clock get in a fight with my spouse? Do you do it? How regularly? Hmm. Yeah, we do get in an argument pretty regularly on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings. In fact, it's so regular, I could... I could put it in my schedule, but I wouldn't want to put it in my schedule because it's almost predictive. But even if I don't put it in there, sometimes it always happens. So let me tell you how I avoid that. I meet with my wife every evening and we talk and we pray. Early on in our marriage, we would also have a Bible study because we wanted a one biblical mindset where we understood how to live out lives together toward finances and other things. We would do Bible studies together. But basically now we're talking about, we, we talk. How's your day going? And 
how, what's, what's our prayer needs? What are, what are we thinking about this child? Or, you know, how are we doing here? What do we need to have special prayer requests? I do that. Why? I mean, I am so busy. I, I have so many projects undone. But I'm telling you, I will not forget this because I don't need to argue with my wife. You know how much time that saves me? Okay, my wife would not like to approach that way. But, uh, you know, for me, practically, I, because if you have an argument, you have the time you're arguing, then you're feeling bad and guilty, so whatever you're doing is not very good. And then you have to make up, and your relationship with your spouse is not doing too good. So that, you know, wow, all those hours spent, and the loss of time and effectiveness. Why not always be happy together? That's much better. And, and so that's what we do. And I found out this is the way to do it. Because once we have a common mindset about how to live, we talk and pray and support each other. And I find that, hey, you know, God really breaks down a lot of those barriers with clear communication. With clear communication. And, and so, I, though it's not on my schedule, I said, this is how I need to love my wife. So in my understanding about my family, my children, my wife, I try to understand what does it mean to love them and care for them. I have to think about my immediate responsibilities with people, my neighbors, whom I meet. That is a priority. Definitely, you know, husband, love your wife. Father, you know, train your child. So I have to put that in my schedule. It would be easy for me not to have a morning devotion time or evening devotion time with my child training them. I'm already working. By the time they get up and get going, I'm already working on my, uh, you know, some message. So you see, I have to stop, go down, pray with them, sing. Why? There's a purpose, the training. So you see, when I'm loving God, loving others, there's that sense of deeper commitment to those people around me, and I'm trying to focus on them and trying to see what they are and make appointments for them in my heart, if not on my calendar. So it's proactive. It, it's compelling me to use all my time to love God and love others. I, 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 don't, I, I'm not, I don't have that free time. I don't have such a thing as free time. At least, I don't think so. I, I really don't. God's trained me to give that up. Purpose to serve. Uh, that's deep in me. You know, I, I'm just... I'm looking for opportunities to serve. But I have to, this is how I don't violate another category. This is so important. Because I already look around and praying for my people around me that I need to care for. And I say, this is important. That's categorized. That's important. And it's a priority. And, it, and that appointment's there. And I don't touch it. Unless I'm talking to that person and otherwise. Uh, let me just say the bottom one here is monitoring needs around us. So, all the time, though. Now, this is regular. I have regular appointments. You know, I take my wife out. I, I meet with people. I'm mentoring, discipling. Okay. Those are people around me. I, those are things I've, I've committed myself to. That's fine. And God will take care of me, so I trust Him. But let me give you an example. I need to constantly monitor my situation because God will bring people into my life just as God brought people into Jesus' life when He was walking down the road. Someone would come up and touch Him. He said, who touched me? He wasn't too busy to slow down and pay attention to what was happening. Uh, just the other day, my wife was, uh, was overwhelmed. She's been working on a dress. She hasn't sewed for 20 years, but uh, one of my daughters asked her to help sew this dress for a wedding, and so she was sewing. And, oh, it was so hard. You know, she's, she's doing her children's ministry. She's trying to finish up homeschool, so a lot of extra things to do. And, of course, there's the daily things going on. But she really felt burdened down. So I, I, every day I've been talking to her at night, praying for her, talking to her, listening to her sob story, you know. Oh, this is so hard. And I know she didn't want to do it, uh, but she was trying to really care for her child, and that was nice. But I noticed yesterday afternoon, and she was just standing by the, the back door. And I looked at her, and I just kind of go up to her and see how she's doing. And, and I noticed a tear coming down her. I slow down my schedule. I slow it down. What's happening? Why is she, why is she like that? I ask her, why are you troubled? She says, I, I can't think of anything for supper. 
Well, of course, I couldn't either. But I, uh, I knew what pressure she was under. You know, there's two days before the wedding, so she had to get that dress done and other things on her mind. So I, I, if I said, I will make supper for her, she would, that would give her more trouble. Uh, so I said, I'm going to order some pizzas. I'll take care of supper. You don't think about it. Usually, she can think up a meal. Uh, with leftovers, she makes up a new meal in 15 minutes. She's really great. So that's not like a discipline problem with her. She is you know, great and excels in that situation. I don't know how she does it. I'm always marveling how she makes leftovers like a new meal. And uh, you know, it's just great. But anyways, uh, I saw at that point, though, I had to slow down, adjust my schedule. Busy week, doesn't matter. I'll trust God. But I'm seeing what's happening in my children, my wife, you know, the people I'm working with. Other special needs. And we all have to be always constantly monitoring, willing to be flexible and change our schedules around for them. I can tell we're not going to get through this whole word of schedule. And, uh, but uh, we got to E. Are there any questions here? I'd like to talk about one more, but I don't know if we're going over can I talk one more about spiritual disciplines? Okay, if you need to leave, there's a sheet on the back that will fill in the details. So let me just go on with one more. Uh, talk about spiritual disciplines. Most people think of spiritual disciplines in a similar aspect in terms of a personal prayer life, my personal devotions and uh, things of that nature. I think about them both as personal and corporate. And I want to give an example of that in a, in a minute. But a corporate means group. In other words, a group prayer meeting. You see, what happens is God gives us a new life, that's salvation, and we're going to build a good foundation. We need to build spiritual disciplines. Now, the problem why people stop having spiritual disciplines, I think the major reason they have problems with that, and they don't, it's not something special, is because they don't know the purpose, or they forget the purpose. But if you're going to have a good life and service, you have to have a good spiritual discipline in your life, incorporated. It's the foundation. It's the foundation. Your foundation core is going to break through at some point. Now, I'm going to give you two examples here, but I want to first just quickly look at the scripture, John 15. I'll just quickly read it. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So notice, I think all the spiritual disciplines probably would focus under the thought here that what we're trying to do is open up our own heart and commune with God. It uses the word abide, or live in, or dwell in. That communing, that vine attached, the branch attached to the vine so the juices can come through and bear fruit. It's hard because in English, it, I mean, abide in, it, it's, it's like, it doesn't, it's not a good word. It somehow it doesn't connect. I've thought many hours over this one word, uh, what it really means. But it is a deliberate attaching of our souls to the Lord. And what happens in spiritual disciplines is basically we are using prayer and fasting and uh, devotions and journaling and meditating and other things as a means of opening our lives to the Lord and allowing Him to commune with us. And as we're communing with Him, what He does is to help us in areas that we never could help ourselves. This is where, again, we're going back to what we started with, that secular type of mentality, and going into the vertical and connecting those two together. Because it's here in the spiritual disciplines, you are actually taking time aside, slowing down your life, prioritizing God, making Him the center of your life, and asking Him, what do you need? Who are you? Let me learn from you. Be a friend. How do you grow in a friendship? You spend time with them. And so that's what you're doing with the Lord. Now, let me give you... Uh, now, the reason we don't grow more is that there's that lack of trust. I talked about that already, that closet that we need to open. Let me give you two, two illustrations here. Uh, the one is meditation. It's where we're 
reflecting on the Lord. So in my morning devotion times afterwards, I will go slide into a time of meditation. And I will reflect, not only study the Bible, I will start reflecting not on anything particularly, unless there's like a per particular passage there, and I will be thinking about it. And I will reflect and talk to God about it. Do you have anything to say to me through this? And, uh, and says, you know, you're really good. It, you know, if it's about God's goodness, you're really good. You know, when I start talking to him, reflecting to him in that time, what happens is he starts teaching me what I need to know for that day. And you will, I mean, I, I am still uh, amazed at the things he teaches. He teaches me exactly what I need to say. Sometimes I feel really drained. I don't have any motivation to write a certain message or, to, you know, write, develop a message. He gives me all of a sudden motivation, clarification, and what I couldn't do, and maybe I was tired, it's hot out three hours I spent on it, nothing. In a flash, it's like it's all there. He does that. He helps me to think about somebody and pray for them. He will help fill me in what I need to, what's important in talking to somebody, say a marriage counseling. And I, I can give you so many stories, I forget even more. But I mean, the point is, he does this all the time. And it's because I slow down and reflect on what he's saying. And that's what made Joshua different. He reflected and meditated on God's word day and night. I have more that I could tell on meditation. I have so much more I could tell there. But I mean, it, it's just a discipline. But what it is, is basically abiding in him. Making it a means by which I could reflect and have him have time to talk to me. And I could talk back and forth. Do I hear an audible voice? No. But I do have thoughts that are interjected in my mind. And I know that's the Spirit bringing them there. Corporate prayer. I believe that it, this is a spiritual discipline. I, and Satan is against us praying together. He, does, he wants to hold us back. And, uh, but what we want to find is that when we believe that God can do more through several of us praying than myself praying, that I'm always key to be there. Now, before prayer meetings, even as a pastor, sometimes I don't feel like going to prayer meeting. Satan, I know he brings thoughts in my mind, distracts me, and other things. But once I get to prayer meeting, I'm fine. But I tell you, sometimes he just fights me. And he'll do it with you too. Now, he's not only trying to get you not to go, he's also trying to go with the wrong spirit and distract it. But what we do go with when two or three gathered in my mind, there am I in their midst. And it becomes an exciting time when God wants to speak to us and do mighty things around the world. And so when I come with that faith, God does things. He's speaking to me. He's speaking through me. And it becomes, by, you know, member, uh, minister to other member, sister, minister to brother, and, and, and all those wonderful things that are happening. And I see God doing that so much. And it's just so exciting. I, I'm, I'm going to stop there. There's several aspects to discipline, spiritual disciplines, and so much more could be said. But the purpose, understand why you would fast, understand why you would write a journal, understand why you would pray, why you would go to a group prayer meeting. And when you do, you'll be able to refresh your mind if you find yourself not there at that moment. Just come back to the Lord. Break away those things. I want to meet you. Because that's the most important aspect there. Now, uh, what I'd like to do is to spend maybe 10 minutes reflecting on something, maybe something God spoke to you, either from someone sharing earlier on, on something that was just mentioned in terms of scheduling. We only got up to D. Otherwise, what we're going to do is spend 10 minutes just reflecting on one of these things. You have a worksheet there on planning, scheduling, and discipline. We've talked about each a little bit, and you might be able to pick out one topic that, or one special thing. You can just write other that God's particularly helping you toward. And what you want to do is identify that one thing and then write down a, something practical that you can do to change in your schedule. You know, my brother might want to go... I'm going to go use Google Calendar. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, thinking about how to practically work through some of those issues. It, it's been uh, really good reflecting a little bit on 
scheduling and planning and disciplines, thinking about ourselves, writing something down that God's speaking to us about, then we can quickly share and then we can close maybe in 20 minute time. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for the way that you lead and teach us in our lives. We want Jesus to live in and through our lives. We want to be more like him. We pray, God, that you might help us to maximize the limited time that we have here, along with all our resources, to bring you glory. We have so many things to learn. We thank you for your patience. Forgive us, Lord, where we failed you. But now, Lord, do bless and help us. That the rest of our life we might, in a wonderful way, use it for your glory. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. This is the end of Part 1, A Spiritually Balanced Life, by Rev. Paul Bucknell. The referenced worksheet, handout, and reading can be found at Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net.